Hey, Three Circle uh, family and those watching and us online, I am uh, glad that you are joining us this evening. Uh, my name is Pastor Trey, is what the kids call me. I'm the family pastor here at Three Circle Church. And my name is Christy Sullins, which is his last name. And I serve with the family ministry team here and the women of Three Circle Church. Um, for the past several weeks, we as a church family have been going through the book of Philippians, which is a letter, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi for those who he loved and served. Now, Paul is known for his letters to the churches. He's, he's known in the New Testament for writing some of the best theological teaching to churches, to write letters of uh, reprimand. But when we come to the book of Philippians, this letter was a letter of joy. It was a letter of encouragement. It was a letter of wisdom, his wisdom that he had learned in following Christ. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick up in uh, Philippians 4, 10 through 13. But before we get there, it's, uh, it's kind of like a, a letter. He began to wrap up his letter. And it's, uh, he's not sure that he will ever see these people again. And so he's trying to cram as much information as he's possibly, he possibly can. It's kind of like when I graduated from high school and I was going away to college, my dad tried to get as much information inside this brain as he possibly could <laughs> in a very short amount of time. And so I think that's what Paul is trying to do here. So uh, let's get started. And I'm going to read uh, from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. So if you have your Bible or you've got your tablet or your phone or whatever device that you have, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. And so it says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Now, these verses are familiar, but they are mainly familiar for verse 13. That's what we know, we claim. But if you skip over verses 10 and 11, you miss some really powerful truths that Paul has learned that he is sharing. So let's read verse 10 and the first part of 11 together just one more time. Paul says, I have rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. At first, that sounds like the most backhanded compliment, like thanks for finally showing up and being a part of the program. But that was not what Paul was saying. The church of Philippi had been one of his greatest supporters, both financially and just through encouragement to send friends and voices and gifts. And Paul had been in a season where there had been none of that. There's not really a clear reason why 
it may be because he was traveling so much in, the, in his second missionary journey or because he was in house arrest. But what we do know is that while there were big gaps in their uh, provision, there was no gap in Paul's ministry or service. So when they hadn't been able to get support to them, Paul hadn't quit and he hadn't reached out in desperation to other churches, scrambling to find a way to make things work. Paul was just being Paul and being faithful where he was so that when these gifts did come, he was grateful. You know, this verse just shows me that Paul is grateful, but he is not dependent. And that's a powerful truth if you think about it for a moment. When we are dependent on something or someone, say it's a spouse for our value or it's a job for our security and our provision, then that dependency gives power to that person. It's, um, it's as if being dependent on anything was absolutely out of the question for Paul other than dependency on Christ. And what this did was this freed Paul up to be grateful where he was. He wasn't dependent on politics. He was not dependent on financial provision. He was not desperate for a change in where he was. He wasn't reaching out to try to get someone in authority to fix so that he could be content. He was simply where he was in Christ, giving, giving Christ the power of his dependence. And because of that, he was free to be grateful for his entire situation. He was free to be grateful for the Church of Philippi because Yes, they gave him a gift. It didn't change his situation, and that was okay. He was just grateful. Um, For me, this hit home when I think about the times where I've determined that if I was dependent on a man, that then that would free me up and I could be grateful in whatever I was doing. Or if I was able to have a child— that 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 would be the 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 place, and then I could be grateful for whatever else. Or if we ever reached a point financially, where my dependence um, was met by a paycheck, then I could be grateful for all of the extras. But the truth is that when we become dependent on people, or we become dependent on jobs or situations, then we have given them the power mm. over us. And we're willing to change our beliefs, our habits, uh, sometimes who we are to our core because we've become dependent and not just grateful. So Paul made it clear when he spoke to this church, I am so grateful. But the very part of verse 11 just reminds us that he made sure they understood, you know, I am so grateful But this is not about me being in need. Like, this is about you being a part of this ministry, but me being grateful to God for what he's doing. That brings us to all of 11 and verse 12. And and this is the part where sometimes I struggle. It says, "Now, 
Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. Mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, content. Content for me, that's, uh, that's almost one of those negative emotions, those negative feelings, because I think in my mind when I hear the word content that I need to be happy. I need to, to, to be okay with not having what I want or what I need. And that's... <laughs> That's not That's how that works with me. And so, you know, in talking through this and, and being content, um, Webster defines the word content as being satisfied. Mm -hmm. Satisfied with all of those things. But Paul, Paul was in difficult situations. He was in shipwrecks. He was in prison. He is uh, stoned. stoned. He was bitten by snakes. Mm -mm. No, that's not <laughs> what you want. But here in all of those things, how in the world could he say that he was satisfied? How in the world could he say that he was content? He, he had known the, the greatness of being a Pharisee and being in power, and he's known the lowness of being in a prison, not allowed to do anything and, and writing these letters. Uh, you see, contentment is more about your attitude than your circumstances. It's funny, this translation uses uh, the word situation, but the NIV translation uses the words the state of contentment. And whatever state I'm in to be content. And when we were reading this together, um, I had a very literal <laughs> example come to mind. So Trey and I had been married for like a moment. Yes. It was really a week, but it felt and like we a moment. We went on our honeymoon and came back and loaded up and left. And we moved from Mobile, from family and friends, to Fort Worth, Texas. <laughs> and it was romantic for about a moment. Yeah. And then he worked three part-time jobs. We, he started seminary. Uh, there was not a lot of money to go around. And, and he moved us in the hottest time <laughs> that it felt like it had ever been. There was a drought in Fort Worth. It was, in July, it was like June and July. 40 days of record heat. And I remember about a month, we'd been there about a month, and I was in tears on our bed. And I looked at you and said, you have moved me to hell. Please take me home. And, and I, I came up with the, the, the glorious biblical statement of this is what God's plan is for our lives. Young pastors can be <laughs> dumb pastors, especially when they're handing, handling their wives. Yeah, that was and not so good. true, it was, but not good. It was true, but it was not, it was not wise. <laughs> but I was not content in that state. It wasn't home. It didn't feel good. It wasn't easy. Life was hard. And I begged to change the state I was in, the physical state I was in, because I was determined if we changed our zip code, it would all be better. And God was relentless in teaching me a letter about this state of contentment. It wasn't because there was this aha moment that suddenly my heart changed. It was the slow and steady pace of living day in and day out in the place that we were and looking for God in that moment. Like we never, we never had a lot of money, mm -mm. but there were moments of provision. We were still oh gosh, missed yes. family 
but we learned new places. Like he literally changed the state of my contentment in that state, but it, it had to be learned. Well, and that goes to that phrase that we see here in 11th that it says, for I have learned. You see, Paul was not born that way. No. Paul had to learn in whatever situation he was in. And he's known all the situations. We just read that. But that he has learned. And it says even in 12, I have learned the secret. Um, in just a few minutes, we're going to talk about what that secret is. But right now, he is dealing with uh, this finding contentment and, and understanding from his circumstances and the attitude he had about his circumstances that he has learned where his contentment comes from. And so it is, uh, it is that process of growth from the time he was uh, changed just as a miraculous change of his meeting with God on the road to Damascus to at this point... He has learned over time. More than a decade. More than a decade that he needed to be content and how that contentment was to come. And so it is that um, practicing contentment is a mark of spiritual growth. Yes. It's not anything I think that Paul ever achieved. I think he learned it and he learned that in any circumstances he needed to be content, but I still do think he struggled. I mean, I struggle on a daily basis of not having what I want and not being content with those things. So uh, what we need to do is, is we, we understand that, that position of contentment and needing to, uh, to trust God and, and to be a part of those things. So uh, what I want us to, to dive into is that last verse. Mm, the most popular the most popular verse, verse 13. So Philippians 4.13, and many of you have probably seen it uh, on T-shirts, on iBlack, on ESPN, uh, and those things. I remember growing up as a kid uh, when I played sports, I would say, uh, verse 13, it says, I could do all things through him who strengthens me. I could do all things through Christ. And to me, it was a mantra and it was, uh, that verse was to give me an advantage over my opponent. Like a rally cry. Like a rally cry. <laughs> I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And, and so oftentimes individuals uh, misquote that verse. And they, they, they look at that and, and they say it with the Jesus that is, you know, the coffee table Bible. That coffee table Jesus, that when it's only comfortable um, there's a my favorite movie of all time. It's the Sullen's family favorite. The Princess Bride, where you have uh, Princess Bride, and, and if you've not seen it, there's um, it's a, it's really a fun little movie. But it talks there's a there's a part in the movie where there's three individuals. You have Vicini, you have the giant, and you have uh, Anigo Montoya. And they have... <laughs> you just can't say it normally. I know, Montoya. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you understand. Uh, but they had uh, kidnapped a princess. And there was um, this guy, the dreaded pirate Roberts, uh, who also you'll find out is, is Wesley. But um, he is chasing them, trying to rescue the princess. And every time 
um, the dreaded pirate Roberts would get closer or do something. Vicini would look and he would say, inconceivable, <laughs> inconceivable. And then there was this point where he's climbing up the, the side of this mountain and they cut the rope and he doesn't fall. And he looks over and he's like, inconceivable. And so the dreaded pirate Roberts looks at him and he's like, you keep using that word. And I don't think that word means what you think it means. And so that is what came to my mind when we were looking at this verse is, is oftentimes people say this verse and, and it doesn't mean what they think it means. Like I was using it in such a way that I didn't, it did not mean what I thought it meant. It did not give me an advantage over my opponent because the, the key to that verse, that, that one part of, you know, he gives me the strength. Well, that strength is not the key to that verse. Right. The key to that verse comes a little later in that verse, and it's in Christ. Or if your version says through Christ, that's where that comes in. Is That's where the key to that verse is. And if oftentimes people want the promise of that verse without living in the Christ of that verse. Mm. And so when you live in the promise of that verse, you have to live in the Christ of that verse. Because you cannot know the promise of that verse without knowing Christ. And being in Christ means that you're saved. You have a salvation experience and that you communicate daily with him and uh, you live obediently. You live an obedient life in Christ. And so that's a daily process. And so if you are living in Christ, then he will give you the strength. Now, the opposite of strength is weakness. And so it says over in uh, in. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 9, and it talks, it leads out with the first part of Jesus uh, speaking. It says, but he said to me, and this is Paul speaking, it says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. That was from Jesus. And so Paul responds by saying, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So he's going to boast in the power of his weakness. Now, how, when is the last time that you have ever boasted in your weakness? Except for the fact of fishing for a compliment. Oh, yeah. You know that. You know what I'm talking about. I'm weak. I can't do this. Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you. Oh, thank you so much for that compliment. No. When have you ever really focused on your weakness and boasted in your weakness and said, I really can't do this? And so it is at that point when you release that weakness and you admit to that weakness that Christ, if you are living in Christ, that he will be able to use you. So Paul understood that. He understood the fact that he must be weak. He must first admit his weakness. He must understand where he is weak so that Christ can strengthen him and be a part of what's going on in his life. So there wasn't room for his strength and Christ's strength. No. Something had to give. Something had to give. And that, that's where it, it and, and it comes to the secret. Remember I told you we would talk about the secret. And he says, I've learned the secret. And that secret is the secret of our strength is Christ. It is. It's that simple. Just Christ. Just Christ. It's not anything that I can do. It's not the abilities that I can put forward. It is everything that I am not that gives Christ everything that he is. And we can live 
in the strength of Christ by living in him and understanding that there's no room for me and him. It's only him. Well, and I think as we wrap up just this reality of, of these three verses and the rich content that, again, Paul packs in three verses, he is, he is reminding this church that would face continual struggle. He is reminding, because back then, letters were shared. So this mm-hmm. message was going, to, was going to keep going past Philippi. And it was just that truth that you cannot judge the situation you're in by your feelings. You know, he recognized that each day was a choice, and it wasn't his choice to be in control. It was God for him who is making the moves, the marks, the provision, what happened, what happened for Paul in a day, what happened for you and what happens for you and I in a day, if we are believers, it is God's choice. It is his good and faithful choice, his will for that day. Um, probably one of the most misquoted verses I hear is Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And like your mantra of I can do all things, um, I hear it spoken uh, into situations where, you know, we want the best in outcome, which is normal, and that is human. But the prophet Jeremiah knew more than anyone that some of God's most faithful goodness came out of times that were the hardest. Like, he watched the plan of God be pulled out of the ashes of disobedience from the children of Israel. Paul saw the same thing. He was witness continually to what would seem like a tragedy, like a shipwreck or a prison experience or a snake bite. And and God wasn't pushing him in punishment. He was building a storyline from that bad that spoke a good greater than any great day. And for us as believers, this is never more true than the cross of Christ. There was nothing more heinous than that moment, and there is nothing more hopeful and perfect than that moment and what has come from it. And so when we look at these verses and we look at the heart of Paul, like we're reminded that God is not a God of feeling, and he is not dictated by our circumstance. Like, he is the God who can be dependent on in, in these prison moments. He is the God who um, can be dependent on in our, our darkest, maybe, quarantine day or maybe <laughs> um, financial moment. And so then we have to step back and ask this question— why is it that we complain first when these days happen? If you mm. read through the entirety of the book of Philippians, what you're never going to hear is a woe is me. I did not do anything to deserve this. And it's not because Paul was this superhuman believer. He had just watched God faithfully tell a story from the hardest times. And so... Could it be that our biggest issue with contentment and our biggest issue with living in the strength of Christ 
is because we just don't simply like the way God is arranging our lives. Like we want our lives to be arranged to suit our wants. Like you said, with our, with your, the, the things that you want. And so we get upset when it doesn't work out like we want it to. Well, just like Paul was talking to the church in Corinth and for him, he realized that his life was not his own, just like our lives are not our own. It is up to God to do as he wishes with our lives because once we commit our lives to him, we are no longer our own. We are his. We are bought with a price. And so Paul realized that. And so being able to use us in situations that necessarily we don't want to be in, that's when Christ is who he is. He cannot be who he is if we are competing with him. Because that's where we are. So through the good times, through the bad times, through the, through the any time that you are walking through, we must live in Christ. We have to. Because if we don't, then it's going to be constant failure. Constant failure. Constant walls. Constant frustrations. Constant whatever it is that you are walking through. Now, understanding that if you are walking with Christ and in Christ, it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be comfortable, but it is exactly where he wants you and it will always be good. It will always be good. And, and, and allowing God to use you in those times is when he is most glorified and most edified and lifted up, and, and people at those points can see Christ in you. So that's the secret. The secret, that the truth that we can find, um, the, the secret is contentment and strength. It's the truth in those things. It's contentment and strength is Christ. And that's where, that's where it all lies, is in Him. So thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for walking through this with us. Uh, and, in, and, and enjoying or listening to our experience, maybe not enjoying it, but listening to our experience. So, And just we encourage you, if you haven't already, it's four chapters in a letter. Read through the book of Philippians again and again, because in that there is that truth, that secret to life and contentment, to gratitude and joy that only comes in Christ. Yes. So y'all pray with us right now. Father, we come before you right now and we just say thank you for your word. Yes. Thank you for speaking to us through your word. God, thank you for allowing us to, to be your vessels. God, I pray that as we are walking in this life, in this journey of trying to find contentment, trying to find that joy, trying to find that strength that only comes from you, that we must realize that we have to empty us of ourselves and allow you to live inside of us, that we must live in you. That that is what Paul learned is that he lives inside you and allows you to work with him because we realize that we are not our own. Father, I pray that right now for those listening and, and God, I pray that you would continue to work in their lives, that if they are that one who uses um, you in time of comfort and in time of total desperation, but not in all 
areas of their life that, that they would choose to use you in all areas, in the good times and in the bad times. Father, I pray for that right now. I love you and I thank you in your son's precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good night.